0: Since you have in obedience to the truth purified your souls for a sincere love of the brethren, fervently, fervently love one another from the heart. For you have been born again, not of seed which is perishable, but imperishable. That is, through the living and enduring word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers And the flower falls off, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word which has been preached to you. 1 Peter, the first chapter, the 22nd through to the 25th verses. As we continue to press our way through this pandemic season, I want us to take a look at this brief excerpt from Peter's letter and try to paint a picture for you for how the gospel affords us the opportunity to live vicariously through faith for a not-yet-future reality. So today, I have titled this message quite simply, Forever for Now. Forever for Now. Let us pray. Most gracious, heavenly, and eternal Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, this is your world. We thank you, O Lord, for this wonderful opportunity now to come to preach, to proclaim the truth of who you are. We thank you, O Lord, that while we may not understand all that is happening around us, this one thing we know to be true is that you are God, and there is nothing that catches you by surprise. So, Lord, while we don't know what all this means, we believe in the providential nature of your spirit. We believe, O God, in the sovereignty of your power. We believe, O God, in the divine rule that you have over your entire kingdom, seen and unseen. And so, Lord, we can trust in you, knowing, Lord, that our tomorrows are much greater than our today's. And so, Lord, we will not be dismayed we will not be discouraged, we will not be distressed, and we will not be led into despair. For Lord, we do know, Father, that you give us hope, a hope that is beyond our wildest imagination that rests within the full knowledge of the person of Jesus Christ. So Lord, bless this time. Hide this preacher behind your sacred desk. And may I preach a word that not only brings hope, but brings life, life more abundantly to your children. We thank you, we praise you, and we honor you in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Peter's first letter was written to believers in the early church at a time where they were beginning to face prosecution. The letter aimed to encourage and equip the readers for the difficult times that were yet ahead. And Peter wanted to make sure that they understood the basis for enduring the trials. Peter wanted to make sure that that they had all that they need in order to be able to sustain and endure themselves through these hard times. In fact, Peter's opening salvo in the letter reads, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. That's how Peter opens his letter. This salutation makes it clear that despite the times that we are living in, despite the trouble that we are facing. Despite the uncertainty of the future, we are assured of a living hope, a future inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, guaranteed, and reserved. In other words, they could endure the harsh today because they have forever for now. This, of course, was possible Because as Peter said in this letter, quite candidly and quite clearly, they were born again. Now this term, born again, has been used all throughout the Christian church for many, many years. And I'm afraid that because it is such an oft-used term, it is oft misunderstood as well. The term literally means having a change or transformation of the soul and heart by the work of God's spirit and his word. This this spiritual makeover, if you will, happens when we become born again. And as a born-again Christian, it means that we are now able to change the way we think, the way we manage our emotions, and change the choices that we make. Especially when it comes to how we treat each other. Many people parade around calling themselves born-again Christian. And I'm not judging, I'm just saying many people do. And because their lifestyles do not often match their profession of faith, the word most non-believers associate with those of us who call ourselves born-again Christian is hypocrites. Hypocrites. Now, a hypocrite, we all know, is a person who pretend to have virtues moral or religious beliefs or principles that they don't actually possess and and, but whose actions also contradict those very same principles and beliefs that they think or say they hold on to. In short, a hypocrite is a two-faced person that cannot be trusted. This characteristic of hypocrisy is especially dangerous for the Christian because as far as the world knows Christians are supposed to be people who love their neighbors who are honest who are trustworthy who are kind who are faithful and charitable Christians are supposed to be people who are compassionate and responsible yet to the world many of us who call ourselves born-again Christian to the world they believe that we are anything but any of these things and the reason Why I'm making this point and why this is so dangerous for the Christian is because it directly affects the capacity and our capacity to witness to the life-changing good news of Jesus Christ, especially in these times. The problem is not that we are broken and flawed people. The, the, The world can't accept that. The problem is that we pretend as if we are not. And that is why we are seen. As hypocrites we are broken and not because we profess Jesus Christ not because we are born again not because we have decided to change our thinking and manage our emotions and to conform our will to God does it mean that we are exempt from all of the things and all of the dangers all of the trials that are happening in life we are not exempt but we are seen as hypocrites because we pretend as if we are exempt we are not exempt and the challenge for the Christian is that how can we as Peter was addressing the church how can we walk in a way that demonstrates that while we are fearful while we are struggling while we are faced with the same challenges as everyone else can we walk with a dignity that says we have a hope that's built into our forever for now so Peter is writing to a people who are now on the brink of losing their witness by succumbing to the pressure of their society. And all of their profession of faith and godliness right now lay in jeopardy because people all over are watching how they will respond. So today, just like those early Christians, we too are faced with how do we walk, how do we live, how do we function because other people are watching those of us who claim to love God. We live in a world that is cynical at best, but it plays very close attention to those of us that claim to be Christians or children of the resurrection. The world sees our megachurch buildings, and the lavish lifestyles of Bentleys and $65 million aircraft commandeered by pastors. But they also see jackleg preachers and snake oil ministers hawking trinkets and vials and rags, CDs, and books. And they wag their fingers at us, dismissing our witness as, opportun- as, we, as if we are opportunistic wolves, preying on the emotionally weak and the spiritually infirm. What I'm telling you, my brothers and my sisters, is that the world is watching how we who claim to believe in a God that is benevolent, that sees all, understands all, they're watching how we function in a world that they too are wondering why is it that they are suffering the way that they are. And why are we suffering in this very same way? We who believe that we've been born again. Listen, much of what the world knows or believes about Christians is what they see on television. While at the same time, they're watching natural disasters and catastrophes and starvation and, and famine, disease and pestilence, homelessness and poverty. And they ask the question, where is the God you serve? If God is so good, if God is all that you Christians say he is, if God is so benevolent and loving, if God is so compassionate and caring, then where is he and why is there all of this suffering? Now, now, if we are honest with ourselves as Christians, and as much as we confess Jesus Christ, we too are asking the same questions. Where is God? Where is God when I just had to bury my loved one who died because of COVID-19? Where is God when I can't visit my loved one in the hospital? Where is God when I lost my job because I've been furloughed indefinitely? Where is God when I'm on the front line of this virus and scared that I may take it home to my family members? Where is God when when the hospital or the nursing home that you may work in becomes a revolving door of fatalities? Where is God when I'm living in isolation with no human contact for weeks, maybe even months? Where is God when my house does not feel very much like a home? And oh, by the way, where is God when I'm scared that I might Be next? Where is God? And this is a good question to ask because it brings us to the very place where our profession of faith and what we say we believe about God actually meets and intersects with our doubts. And as I've often shared, doubt is nothing more than faith that is not tested. But be that as it may, it is a real feeling and a real concern for both the believer and the unbeliever. So my brothers and my sisters, all of you who are of the household of faith, what I'm saying to you in no uncertain terms is you're not exempt from doubt. And the worst thing you can do with your witness is to pretend as if you are. Why pretend as if you're not also feeling the same pressure that everyone is feeling? I'm feeling the same pressure and I wear a fancy robe. But the point doesn't mean, doesn't change the fact that while I may be feeling this, the pressure, doesn't change the fact that I know that someone, somewhere, a God in heaven can and may do something about it according to his will. Our doubts have a way of challenging us to our very core. It's one thing to say when you're standing before the preacher at the altar of marriage and you say, till death do us part. It's an entirely different thing when you're sitting at the table of divorce. And even like the Apostle Peter, it's one thing to say, I would die for you, Lord. It's an entirely different thing to know that you have denied the Christ three times. My point is our doubts have a way of betraying the true nature of our soul and our hearts. And it is in that place that we tend to find shame and guilt. In a conversation with my wife since the emergence of this COVID-19 pandemic, we drew the conclusion that in addition to all the death, all the pain, all the heartbreak, all the loss, this virus has been very successful at exposing our vulnerabilities and our weaknesses. It it has brought us to the point where we have to face some very hard facts about ourselves and it has uncovered our own hypocrisy and and has exposed our true nature in government. It has shown that whether Republican or Democrat, the national debt was not really a big problem after all. In fact, let's just print more money and bail out everyone, especially businesses that have a $40 billion endowment and don't even need it. It has shown us even with Senate leaders like Mitch McConnell, who's advocating, advocating to want to, to, to letting states go bankrupt, even when his state, Kentucky, receives more money from the federal government that it actually puts in. We, we, we see it in other states where folks are protesting the lockdown order and want to open up the economy, yet they are protesting from the safety within their own motor vehicles and cars. In other states, they go, let's open the non-essential services, such as barbershops beauty salons and tattoo parlors that are frequented by lower-income persons and people of color that they deem to be a drag on the economy. I know you're hearing what I'm saying. Also in business, they go, let's open because we can probably lose an immigrant worker, but we can't afford to lose our business. In prisons, let's not give inmates basic protections because they really don't matter much anyway. Even in some churches, let's congregate because we really don't care if people get sick as long as I can still preach and demonstrate my arrogance. I am telling you, my brothers and sisters, it's exposing the real heart of who we are. We say we love our neighbors as ourselves, but we really don't. What we care about is not Almighty God, but the Almighty Dollar. And here's my personal favorite. My personal favorite. Let's see if using a drug that causes cardiac arrest or drinking disinfectant or exposing ourselves to ultraviolet radiation can help. Uh, really? We, we, we are even witnessing vulnerabilities within families and households that due to the forced isolation, we see a sharp rise and increase in domestic violence and abuse. My point is, our desperation as a result of this pandemic has driven us to the brink of feeling like we're being persecuted and punished. And while it is testing many of our faith, it's showing us just how wretched and hypocritical we all are. And notice I said, we all are, because the church is no different right now from the world. We like to say we love our neighbor. And it's one thing to say that every single Sunday, but it's an entirely different thing when you have to put that declaration to the test to act as if we believe in God, yet quiver in fear. It damages our witness. To to say that God is sovereign and all-powerful, yet cry in despair, thwarts our witness. To say that God is all-loving and refuse to love our neighbor nullifies our witness. Now I can talk about this as much as I want to, but it won't change the fact that what the world sees from us is what the world believes. So what are we showing the world, especially during a time of crisis? We as a church need to show them a more excellent way. We as a church need to show them that even during this pandemic, we can still hold our heads high. We can still function in a way that says weeping may endure for a night, but the joy does come in the morning. We don't know how long the night is, but we do know one thing. As sure as the sun rises, as sure as it rises in the east and sets in the west, as sure as there are clouds in the sky, as sure as this earth continues to rotate on its axis, as sure as we move around the sun, as sure as, as sure as you and I are breathing right now, the sun will rise and the joy will come in the morning. Our lifestyle, our words, our profession must match our walk and our witness. So Peter says, since you have in obedience to the truth purified your souls for a sincere love of the brethren, fervently love one another from the heart. That word love is a powerful word and we use it all so flippantly at times but we need to understand that that word love is not just there by happenstance to love one another from the heart means that you understand that since God had rescued you from the bowels of your own suffering and depression since God loved you even when you did not love yourself since God saved you from a life of regret And pain and since God made you free and alive in Christ then it is out of that place that you can now have a sincere love for others you cannot say you love others unless your soul and your heart has been purified by the truth of God's Word and you begin to walk in obedience in that truth that is where the rubber Meets the road. And that's what this message is about. I don't want to talk about coronavirus. I don't want to give coronavirus any power. I want to give love the power. I want to give the truth the power. I want to speak the word of God. And that's where the power ought to be. It's about looking at how you live with those you least agree with. But also, especially with those who are also of the household of faith. And, 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 and if you find that your love for each other lacks the sincerity that I'm talking about in this message, and it does not flow from a purified heart, then my brothers and my sisters, you have every reason to doubt your faith. Peter is establishing for us the true basis by which we can have hope in these difficult times and even during this pandemic season. And the basis of that hope comes from the fact that you and I have been born again, not of seed that is perishable, but seed that is imperishable. That is, through the living and enduring Word of God. God saved you not so much from the persecutions of the world, He knew that this time would come, but He saved you from the despair that comes from a loss of hope. I said to my wife this morning, I was meditating as I was preparing for this sermon, this service, and, and it said the, the Bible tells us that, that, that the father, he, he sees every sparrow that falls. He knows every sparrow that falls to the ground, but it doesn't change the fact that a sparrow still falls. You will face hard times. You will face difficulties. You will face persecution. But you must recognize that you have a hope that is in something much greater than yourself. As a matter of fact, Peter tells us, For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of the grass. The grass withers, and the flower falls off, but the word of the Lord endures forever my brothers and my sisters the glory of this world is big business skyscrapers multi-million dollar jets fur coats, technology, you name it, all of that boasts the glory of man. But that glory offers no foundation for the things that really matter. How many people can you think of right now, even in this moment, wish they had one more opportunity to say goodbye, or I'm sorry, or I love you? How many people you can think of right now longs for yesterday because today is a suffering that is more than they can bear? How many of you right now hearing this message are laden with guilt because of the decision you made to to focus and prioritize your desire more than the relationship that is now gone? How many of you right now are in the grips of despair? Well, I'm telling you that like you, so too are many people all over this world so too are many people who because of this pandemic have to rethink their priorities and prepare for a new life with a new reality and a new normal that they never counted on or even expected maybe like you there are many people right now all over this world wishing that they had made different choices well i came this morning to tell you quite simply that if you are listening to this message, it's not by accident. This is your hope. For the word that is preached to you today is a word that is hopeful for you. You have a hope in what Peter wants us to understand, just like those early church believers that he wrote his letter to that was facing difficulties not too much dissimilar to what we're facing. Peter says, you have been born again, not of seed which is perishable, but which is imperishable, which means that while everything around us seems to be slowly drifting away, opening up your heart. To receive the word of God and to accept the witness that the Lord Jesus Christ came, was crucified, died, resurrected, and now sits at the right hand of God the Father, opens up for you the possibilities to have hope that goes beyond even comprehension. It gives you the opportunity to have forever for now. This forever for now is what the Apostle Paul calls the peace that surpasses all understanding this forever for now is what jesus said when he says my peace i give to you not as the world gives it uh, not as the world with all its glory gives it my peace i give to you and he also goes on to say let not your heart be troubled neither let it be afraid this forever for now is the witness of the christian and what the world desperately needs to see The world needs to see that even though all hell is breaking loose, all over the United States and the world. The world needs to see that even though families are literally being torn apart by this coronavirus pandemic, the world needs to see that even though businesses are crumbling and failing, some never to return, the world needs to see that even though this economy is on the brink of another Great Depression, the world needs to see that even though governmental leadership is inept, At best, the world needs to see that even though the church pews are empty and funeral homes are full, we can have forever. For now, Peter declares that our new birth comes from an imperishable seed, which is in stark contrast to the perishable seed of our human reality. That imperishable seed, quite simply, my brothers and sisters, is the word of God, which is living and abiding in us that believe, who are truly, truly born again. God himself imparts through his word an eternal life-giving reality that is not subject to death. And even quoting the prophet Isaiah, Peter says, All flesh is like grass and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls off, but the word of the Lord abides forever. In other words, don't be fooled by the outward impressiveness and the glory of this world. Don't let it take you captive. Change your thinking. Change your mind. All of this will fade away like a flower. But God's word will stand forever. And this is the word which I now preach to you. Therefore, therefore, as you are suffering in this time, Even though it may seem as if this pain will last forever, don't be fooled. Your suffering, your pain, your despair, your fears, your worries, and your concerns right now will fade away and will perish very much in the same way that the glamour and the riches and the glory of this life will also fade away. But the new birth that you possess through God's word will abide forever. And this is what the world desperately needs to know through your witness and through mine. And the only way they can know it is if is 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 through how you show your love For each other. How we show our love for each other. Is what's going to let the world know. That God is still real. It's not going to be what they see on TV. It's not going to be what they think. It's going to be what they actually experience. When we the church show them. The love that is in us. Coming from a sincere place. A place that has been renewed. Restored. Refreshed by the word of God. That's what it means to be born again. But to show your love. First, it must be a sincere love, not hypocritical, not manipulative, trying to advance your own advantage, but genuine as you understand that God first loved you. Second, it must be a clean love. In other words, love that is not for impurity, based on common sinful pursuits, but it must emanate from a clean heart, which is why David says, create in me a clean heart. Why? Because out of a clean heart, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And if your heart is clean, when you speak to your neighbor, they too will feel that sincere, clean love. And third and finally, it must be a fervent love, meaning it requires effort and emotion, and it involves hard work and commitment. It's not always easy. And what I'm telling you is not something, it's not a band-aid that I'm putting on an open gash. It is hard work, but it is necessary work. And you can't love the way that people need to love in and of your own self. You need the spirit and the power of the word of God dwelling and living in you so that you will have the capacity to love the way that God wants us to love. So if you can love each other with these three things, a sincere heart, A clean heart and a fervent, fervent love. If you can love with these three things in mind, then my brothers and my sisters, you will have demonstrated the truth of God's word, which has indeed been purified in your heart and your witness that you have been born again by the imperishable seed will be credible and true. I don't want to be a hypocrite anymore. And I definitely don't want to be a hypocrite during this pandemic season. I want to make sure that people know that when I call and when I say, how are you doing? It's not because I'm mandated to do it as a pastor. It's because it's coming from a place of genuine, purified love. It is said that while the human condition can sustain itself for about three days without water, no human being can live 30 seconds Without hope. This is what the world needs to see living in you and living in me. A hope that is not hypocritical nor convenient, but one that has been tried in the flames and the crucible of adversity. And despite all the pressure and all the suffering of this life, none, none of that can be compared to the glory of the Lord that awaits each and every one of us who truly. And genuinely believe so my dear friends do not lose hope for God has placed eternity in our hearts and because we know that there is a greater out there that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world because we have this longing and this this sense of eternity in our hearts then my brothers and my sisters you can live your forever for now. You can appropriate your forever for now because you have a hope that is built on nothing less than on Jesus' blood and on His righteousness. I pray that this message has, has resonated in your spirit in some way, that you can recognize that you can live and you can do much more and much better. But let's not be like the rest in the world that only give lip service to their faith, but has coming from a genuine place of a purified heart, loving sincerely, loving cleanly, and loving fervently for the good of the faith. May the Lord richly, richly bless you, my beloved.